From APM Reports, this is Educate, a podcast in collaboration with The Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. A few years back, I co-produced a documentary about civil rights in Mississippi. The program was called State of Siege. The town of Oxford is an armed camp following riots that accompany the registration of the first Negro in the university's 118-year history. In Washington, President Kennedy was described as appalled by the barbarity of the slaying of Medgar Evers. Mississippi whites burned with resentment, and police routed the marchers with a barrage of tear gas. The white resistance to integration and the civil rights movement in Mississippi was the most organized, the most defiant, and the most violent of anywhere in the country. But until recently, civil rights history was not part of the required curriculum in Mississippi's public schools. In 2011, the state changed its standards to require teaching about civil rights. Our partners at the Heckinger Report wondered whether the new requirements led to changes in the classroom. So reporter Sierra Manny took a look at the textbooks that Mississippi schools are using, and she joins us on the podcast. Hey, Sierra, thanks for being here. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. You say in your article that Mississippi changed its standards in 2011. What were students required to learn about civil rights before then? Before then, nothing. It was up to the discretion of the teacher if the civil rights movement was taught at all inside a classroom. Why did it change? So in 2006, I believe, Edgar Ray Killen was finally indicted and also convicted for the manslaughter of the three civil rights workers in Neshoba County. The 1964 murders of civil rights activists James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner, two of whom are young white men from the North and one of whom was an African-American from Mississippi. Yes, absolutely. So from that moment, the then director of the William Winter Institute for Racial Reconciliation in the state of Mississippi, um, Susan Glisson, said that teachers reached out to her and said, this can't happen ever again. We think it's important for kids to know about this. Um, but we feel intimidated as far as teaching about it goes. Like, we think that they'll, that there'll be backlash from parents. So we would love to be trained, basically, you know, to teach kids about this. So the William Winter Institute, um, basically did teacher training very close to where Edgar Ray Killen's trial was being held in Neshoba County. And it got so popular that interested parties began drafting legislation in order to make it part of law that basically that Mississippi youth would learn about the civil rights movement. And that basically was a way to protect teachers. So, Sierra, you're from Mississippi. You grew up there. Uh, Were you in school when these standards came out? I was, actually. I have been educated my entire life in the state of Mississippi. You know, I could tell you who Martin Luther King was. I could tell you who Rosa Parks was, um, just like any other Mississippi student. But I don't think that I could go into the depth that I think is necessary to say that you do know about the impact of that movement. That's kind of amazing, given that Mississippi was, you know, sort of a high watermark of institutional racism. What did the sections or the chapters about the civil rights movement look like when you started to look at these textbooks on state and national history that the schools are using? So in Mississippi Studies textbooks um, were short. Uh, Mississippi Studies is taught um, as the fourth grade social studies curriculum and also for a high school class that most people take in ninth grade. And they... The fourth grade book was especially um, 
babyish. Like it says that Martin Luther King um, made a speech that got people excited um, is the way that, <laughs> that um, they describe Martin Luther King's sort of speech making. So they were being euphemistic, it sounds like. Yeah. And also Martin Luther King is not like a super significant part of Mississippi's civil rights history anyway. Right. And one of the teachers that you talked to was surprised to learn about Fannie Lou Hamer, who uh, is one of the most famous grassroots activists in the Mississippi movement. Mr. Chairman, and to the Credentials Committee, my name is Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer. This is from 1964 when Fannie Lou Hamer testified before a committee at the Democratic National Convention. She told them about trying to vote in Mississippi and how she lost her job because of it. It was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles to the county courthouse in Indianola to try to register to become first-class citizens. So, Sierra, do students learn about Fannie Lou Hamer now? Um, So there is a 2013 textbook that does speak about Fannie Lou Hamer. Other textbooks might give her um, slight mention, but they don't speak about, like, her impact as a grassroots organizer. I think the fourth grade textbook says that Fannie Lou Hamer helped people vote. And that's about as much as they get on the subject about Fannie Lou Hamer. Well, what about Ross Barnett? He was the segregationist governor of Mississippi in the early 60s. I have said in every county in Mississippi that no school in our state will be integrated while I am your governor. Is he in the books and how is he portrayed? Ross Barnett is pretty cut and dry portrayed. Um, The story of James Meredith is very popular. Um, James Meredith being the first African-American student to successfully um, attend the University of Mississippi. And Ross Barnett did his best um, to block that. Well, Mississippi uh, spends relatively less per pupil than many other states on public education. Is it do you think this use of what you're describing as outdated textbooks is sort of intentional or is it a is it a money thing? Can they simply not afford to buy newer, updated and more and textbooks that more reflect the actual history of civil rights? I think it's absolutely a money thing. Um, definitely in most cases, textbooks are expensive. Um, Mississippi studies is not a tested subject. U.S. history is, but the civil rights movement is not the going to be the bulk of information on which they're tested on the U.S. history state test in 11th grade. So are most history and social study teachers using uh, these textbooks that you looked at? What did you learn about that? So I learned that there's really no way to know. Um, It is completely at the discretion of the school district, of the schools, of the teachers, um, if their textbook is used. There is no way to gauge how much a teacher knows about the civil rights movement. There's no way to know if they know more or less in the textbook, if they can add to that context or if they can teach things that are actually harmful to students on the subject. In your article, you talk about how part of the issue when it comes to teaching civil rights history is that the teachers themselves didn't learn this in school, so they don't know the history. Let's meet one of those teachers. Um, My name is Kristen Kirkland. I am an AP U.S. history and a regular U.S. history teacher at Neshoba Central High School in uh, Mississippi. Sierra, what did Kristen Kirkland tell you about what she learned about civil rights history growing up in Mississippi? So in speaking to Kristen, um, like most 
people, you know, would say it wasn't a subject that was necessarily pressed. It's not something that was ever brought up in social circles. It was something that I learned exclusively from my university education. But for Kristen, um, it was definitely a subject that interested her, um, especially as she got like further into um, her degree and her studying. It became a passion of mine because I felt cheated and robbed of a significant portion of not only Mississippi's history, but of the United States history. And I can't help feeling like this is not an anomaly. I think it's by design, and I think that it is something that happens pervasively in our state and across the nation in the South. Because if you teach someone the truth of what happened, then they cannot help but to change their perception of what reality is in this state and in this nation as a whole. So it's Mississippi's story, but it's the nation's story. Teacher Kristen Kirkland mentioned that the civil rights movement is not something she learned about in social circles. So this brings up an important question about race. She's white, correct? Yes. So as a white person, she didn't learn much about civil rights at home. What do you know from your reporting and your own personal experience growing up in Mississippi about whether white kids and black kids are learning different things about the civil rights movement? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely are learning different things. Um, dif- um, go to different churches, live in different neighborhoods, have different perspectives of whether or not oppression even exists. I knew people in college who I learned had lived down the street from me, went to different schools, said that they had never had a serious conversation with a black person before they had gotten to college, before that conversation that he and I were having at that time. Well, and in your article, you make the point that three-quarters of Mississippi teachers are white in a state with the largest percentage of African-American students in the nation. And how do you think this affects how the civil rights movement is taught in public school classrooms in Mississippi? Is there or was there a resistance among white teachers to teach this history? I think that I can definitely say for some teachers that that's absolutely the case, because not every teacher is interested in the subject. Not every teacher cares. I definitely had problematic teachers in high school. Um, we talked about the Ku Klux Klan one time in class. and the, the teacher who was white, he was like, he said, oh, well, there are just as many racist black people who are just as bad. And that was about as far into the topic, you know, as we went. Teachers are, they have hard, hard work to do. And they have a huge responsibility to students, but at the same time, it's not as if they are always, you know, the social and intellectual stewards of progress. Let's return to Kristen Kirkland, uh, the teacher we heard from a moment ago. It absolutely comes down to the teacher. I mean, because like someone can tell you to teach something, but we all know that that doesn't mean that you actually care about what you're teaching. We mentioned earlier that uh, that Kristen Kirkland is white, and she also teaches a class of mostly white students, and she says that matters when it comes to teaching civil rights history as well. The demographics of my classroom tend to skew about 20% African-American or less. My white students have had a background, unfortunately, really similar to mine, where it's not something that's ever been discussed. It's not something that they've had a, a lot of exposure to. And, you know, we are the school in the county where one of the most infamous murders of the civil rights era happened, the murder of the three civil rights workers. Tonight, Andrew Goodman and two companions, Mickey Schwerin and James Cheney, are the focus of a whole country's concern. They have been missing since Sunday in Mississippi, where they had gone as part of the Mississippi Freedom Summer Project. 
a project designed to draw national attention to the problem of Negro rights in that state. And hearing stories from students that it was people that they know in their community and it was family members that you realize they'll tell me, you know, you're the only person that ever talks about this. And when they first told me that, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to know this story. And they're like, no, our family doesn't talk about this. And I'm like, well, why on earth would you not, you know, talk about this? This this happened here. We wanted to talk to a Mississippi student who took issue with his civil rights education and wanted to do something about it. Yes, this is Zacchaeus McEwen. Yep. So we called Zacchaeus McEwen. I am originally from Macomb, Mississippi, and I graduated Macomb High School in 2014. Uh, our history classes, um, they were okay. We really didn't get to dive deep into, you know, our local history and our civil rights history, especially um, in, in such a rich state as Mississippi. I can even tell you when I was in U.S. history my junior year in high school, the only time we talk about civil rights movement is in Black History Month. Zacchaeus says that even in state history classes, the civil rights movement was just a footnote. The books were so old, and like honestly, the only thing I can really remember about learning in that class was just the geography of Mississippi, because <laughs> we had to learn all the counties and stuff. Besides that, when it came to like the civil rights history part, it was just it just seemed very like it was it was just very federally scoped, you know. Uh, it didn't really talk about the demonstrations, the like the Freedom Summer that had happened. Um, it didn't really go into details about the voting rights struggle that had happened. And, you know, when Bob Moses came down to Mississippi to start SNCC, you know, which was a student nonviolent committee. And so it, it just didn't, it didn't talk about those things. Like, I didn't learn about those things in those classes. So Zacchaeus joined an after-school program called the Macomb Legacies Project, which Sierra mentioned in her article. Can you explain a bit more about what that was? So the Macomb Legacy Project was an initiative basically to immerse Macomb's public school students into their unique civil rights history. Um, basically, the kids got an opportunity to just become local storytellers. And so they basically taped the oral histories of just the older people living in Macomb who still remembered. I'm Lisa, and today we're here to interview Mr. Bob Moses. What we did was we researched, we researched, and we researched. We were pretty much historians, I would like to say. When Bob Moses first came to Mississippi in 1961 to register black voters, he depended on Herbert Lee to be his guide. Moses and Lee spent hours traveling from farm to farm talking to blacks about voting. Sierra, in your article, you touch on the fact that this is not just a Mississippi thing. It seems particularly troubling there because of the state's role in the civil rights movement. But this is really a nationwide problem, isn't it? Students across the country really aren't learning much about the civil rights movement. Right. So the Southern Poverty Law Center is also, was also extremely interested in the subject um, with their teaching tolerance program. Um, the Southern Poverty Law Center is also an organization founded during the civil rights movement that still does super important work today. And so they were wondering, what do students in other states learn about the civil rights movement? Alabama gets an A for its curriculum, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, because it speaks about institutional racism as well as teaches about people, places, and things. Um, Mississippi gets a C 
because Mississippi, like Mississippi students might have an understanding of themselves of institutional racism, but they have limited vocabulary about the civil rights movement and also limited vocabulary about the racism that they understand and experience. But you get to other states like, say, California, which gets a complete F because the civil rights movement isn't part of their curriculum at all. I talked to Maureen Costello with Teaching Tolerance, and she told me, you know, because it didn't happen in California. You know, the South, um, East United States was mainly the arena for the civil rights movement. And so you get, you know, places like just states in the northern part of the United States that don't prioritize it as much um, or at all. And so there are students who who are unaware, basically, of that history as well, just because it's looked at as a Southern problem. Racism is looked at as a Southern problem. Segregation is looked at as sort of like um, a Southern parable rather than something that affects every single person in the country. We've been talking with Sierra Manny, a freelance journalist based in Jackson. She wrote the piece, Why Students Are Ignorant About the Civil Rights Movement for the Heckinger Report in collaboration with the radio program Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. Sierra, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We have a link to Sierra's article on our website, educatepodcast.org, where you can also find a link to our documentary, State of Siege, Whites and Civil Rights in Mississippi. That's it for this episode. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Let us know what you learned about the civil rights movement in school. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast, or send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. We're going to be taking a brief break over the holidays. We'll be back after the new year on January 15th to explore why most single mothers who go to college don't finish. Alex Baumhart produces the podcast. Catherine Winter is our editor, and Emily Hanford is our senior producer. We partner with the Heckinger Report, which is a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.